0: Welcome back to the Big Mike Podcast, episode five, part two. If you listened to the previous episode, you know that Gavin and I have talked for a very extensive period of time, so I wanted to divide this into a two-part series, just for your patience, really. So we left off right about to start with the Lincoln-Douglas debate, so hopefully you enjoy. (laughs) So what are the Lincoln-Douglas debates?
1: So, uh, like, are you asking, like, the NSDA version or, like, the, like, historical Lincoln-Douglas debate?
0: Uh, let's do both, because I don't know what either of those are.
1: Okay, so the historical Lincoln-Douglas debate was uh, a debate between... Oh, uh, okay, the, I know that. Okay, yeah. never mind, never mind, never mind. Okay, okay.
0: but and maybe then, you could so- explain it to people who might not know what it is.
1: So Lincoln, the Lincoln-Douglas debates were between Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass. Uh, these things. Stephen were, Douglas. Stephen Douglas. That's right. That's right. That's my bad. That is my bad. <laughs> uh, they basically kept debating over and over about like basically morals and a lot of like these ideas of like mm-hmm. how it, stuff should be. Essentially, And that's the very, very, very dumbed down version. Uh, it's pretty interesting if you want to just go Google it, look okay. it up or whatever. Uh, but um, the NSCA version is essentially debate based upon morals and philosophy as a whole. Mm-hmm. And in there uh, we have a value and a criterion, which that value is going to be like a philosophical, like ideal, like the end goal. Right. And our criterion is going to, or the standard is going to be something to where we have to achieve this. So then we can achieve the value. Mm. Uh, and then from there, your entire case is just centered around uh, like whatever your argument is like i believe mm-hmm. the current topic for january february is going to be i don't remember the specific language but it's over human migration mm-hmm. uh or it's justice requires human, uh open borders for human migration that's what it is oh um so like from here, we develop a position about uh, that topic, and we find some lens that we want to like look at it through. What like, want to like you know Foucault's like a pretty solid example of just how we have this panoptic network of like the the West, right? They are actively like limiting people from moving between just places that uh, like they have once been able to completely go to, like. Africa's actually a good example of this. Um mm-hmm. like we have these new borders that are now closed off uh b- based upon a line that some european politicians were like we're making this line right here. So now we have two of uh, two people of the same group on different sides of a border but they can't uh, cross that border. Yep. So it's kind of like that and then we make some philosophical argument around that. So it's kind of like is, is it a competition? So yeah, you basically you try to win rounds like okay. Yeah.
0: And it's formatted like the Lincoln Douglas debates in some sense. Or it's would, just no. or they just gave it the name. Just they just gave it sound. the name, really. Okay.
1: Yeah. Because the time the time frame is six minutes for the affirmative speech, three minutes for cross-x from the negative. Mm. Uh the negative gives a seven minute uh constructive and rebuttal the affirmative gets a cross ex time. And then after that, they have a four minute rebuttal and defense. And then the negative has a six minute speech of rebuttal, defense and voting issues. And then the affirmative has three minutes for voting issues. Okay. So quick question. Have you used that format so far? Oh yeah, no, no. Like you have to just, like stick to that format and oh. those rounds. And it, it's, it's really fun. Uh, as long as you have a good coach um, that's, knows what they're doing which I have not had Mm. in two years
0: (laughs) so another one have you used that format in this episode so far
1: I wouldn't I mean maybe I don't really notice if I do uh but like I feel like I have I generally use some sort of format kind of like that like I have some general Mm. like idea like so you could i mean you could you could put this into the format like the question right yeah uh and then like you have your your lens right you're like mm, i want to analyze this through x and then that has to be achieved through y mm-hmm. and then y is proven through this
2: okay well
1: cool. like, that makes that makes sense at all yeah so why debate <laughs> um so i've always liked arguing with people <laughs> um shocker i know uh, yeah and it was just like i was just like man i don't really like like student council which mm-hmm. is what i was originally in and then i was just like man i, I i'd rather do debate than this so i dropped stuco and then i uh, picked up debate my freshman year and was like man i do really enjoy this because yeah. it makes me like think really critically over, mm-hmm. like, some random issue that yeah. uh, the topic committee is like, this is gonna be one of the issues that students are gonna vote on. And uh, it just really expands your horizons and forces you to argue for something that you don't necessarily agree with. Right. So it forces you to actually do quality research and to uh, actually back up what you're saying, which is Interesting. fantastic.
0: Yeah. Like, I guess for you, because you have so much knowledge built up about certain things is it because you want to be able to I guess articulate that knowledge to somebody else is is that kind of a reason for it
1: I I guess like I really suck at articulating a lot of issues Uh, I I would disagree so far you've been pretty good at it well I feel like uh especially in debate I run super complex arguments that Uh. a lot of judges uh <clears throat> accs judges <clears throat> sorry um <laughs> don't understand because they are they have very firm political beliefs that interfere with the way they actually judge
2: Oh no! so
1: they just write off certain arguments but uh besides that like it, it can get really complicated for a lot of people to understand and debate and it's a lot at once yeah so but this so, is a more, okay. much more relaxed format Yeah.
0: so the, the judges just base their opinions not on the evidence you provide but on their own beliefs
1: some of them do some they are good judges they're not yeah. good judges at all right like the good judges are the ones that like walk into the round with zero preconceptions over what i want what i want to hear stuff like yeah it's more like mm-hmm. who legitimately won the round and who's mm-hmm. actually debating it's not yeah. like i agree with so and so more and it's right independent of that
0: or regardless. saying the word like like five times in the same sentence, mm-hmm. you know, being able to once again, articulate the thoughts and provide proper evidence for it, back up your point with valid points. Mm-hmm.
1: That would pretty much win an argument and debate. Yeah.
0: Okay. Like it's,
1: they it can get more nuanced than that, but from there, if you have an experienced judge, it's fantastic. If like, like that's how you went around. Yeah.
0: Right. so, um, if you don't have an experienced judge, what would you do? Like a debate on apples versus oranges, like to uh, not so offend gonna, them or
1: something. So, so it's going to be <laughs> the same exact topic, right? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> but typically, people will write uh, completely different cases, ju- like just dumbed down versions for these people, like because they mm-hmm. won't understand like the full like way of lo- the full logical process of like say the more complicated case. Yeah. Uh so like there are different levels and like especially how you debate itself. Mm-hmm. Like that'll be that'll differ based upon the judge. So it's a lot of adaptation on the fly. Mm-hmm.
0: So is there like a certain like are there levels or like a certain hierarchy when it comes to Lincoln Douglas debates? Like, do you do a certain debate format at during this time when you like first do it or at that age? And then the more you do it, the higher you go up, like the The better judges there are, the more complex the topics there are. Like, is there a system like that? Or do they just give you a random topic whenever? And then the judges that you get are,
1: yeah. So for LD, uh, basically there's one overarching topic in Oklahoma. But we have different divisions like novice and just 6A and then champs. Uh, Mm Novice is just like people who are beginning to debate. 6A is to qualify to regionals. Champs is if you've already qualified to regionals. Uh, but they all use the exact same topic. Uh, but the NSCA itself, uh, they have a novice topic for um, like LD. Uh, I, I believe PF does not have a novice topic, and then policy, uh, they have a restricted uh, topic. So regular policy will have one topic that is extraordinarily broad. Mm-hmm. Like I think the current one is over like NATO should expand its like involvements or the unis should expand its nato involvements in like four or five separate sectors Mm -hmm. and the policy team can run anything as long as it falls under one of those sectors it does not matter how obscure it is but Mm -hmm. novice policy is just more um like constrained within like a certain realm of Mm -hmm. what you can actually argue
0: like it's more specified to a certain thing while well, yeah if you were like a champ it's so broad that you can go in so many different directions mm-hmm. okay yeah. so pretty much makes it harder yeah really okay
1: yeah because yeah. you don't want a novice walking into a round and someone's running that salamanders will die therefore <laughs> environmental biodiversity doesn't exist anymore if yeah. us doesn't expand its involvement in, like, bio, <laughs> biotechnological advances yeah. in NATO. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. policy gets very, very special. Like, it, mm. those arguments are made, like, a lot.
0: So for, do they give you, like, categories to choose from? And in those categories, there's, like, multiple topics? Or is there one topic per category? Or do you not even get to choose at all?
1: so the nsda breaks it down so uh they'll have i think it's per month they'll have like a set general topic line and okay. then they'll have three topics that, that you get to vote on underneath that topic line and then it's a ranked choice voting so you vote uh whatever your first choice is that's one second choice is two third choice is three and then uh from there they compile judge or sorry coach and student votes and then that's how the topic is selected and then okay. that topic for LD will be for two months. Uh, for PF for the first semester, it will be two months. Uh, second semester for PF, it'll be, it, the topic will change every month. And then policy has the same topic throughout the entire year. So what is PF? Public forum debate. Public forum. It's going to be a partner debate uh, mm-hmm. with policy's also partner debate, but PF is like the the gateway to debate itself
0: because oh, like, it's okay. typically
1: associated with being the easier form of debate. Mm-hmm. And LD
0: is harder,
1: yeah. Um, okay, so building a philosophical argument is not the easiest thing. PF yep. itself is just like, here's my case, that that's mm-hmm. and then here's why my opponent's wrong. It's a mm-hmm. lot more simple, it's more streamlined. While LD is more like, break my framework, then break my case, and then like, I have to defend my own case now, like, okay. It's,
0: okay interesting so like if you were to talk about how salamander's dying you like u.s investing money into environmentalism and then nato you would have to back that up some sort of philosophical argument of good and evil or whatever
1: for 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 ld you would yeah 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 for ld Uh, that's then wow it's 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 really there's a there's a lot that you can do with it but uh a lot of stuff that's run is typically more traditional away from those types of arguments so like uh say it is like that and it's just like uh u.s secure or like security from russian attacks like preventing Mm -hmm. russia from invading like that'd be a more stock argument
0: yeah do you remember the last uh topic that you did for ld
1: I ran necropolitic uh single payer healthcare. That's the last topic I single parent on.
0: healthcare. Yeah. Do you remember like which position you know, that you were
1: given? I was given both. I so okay. for prelims you have to debate three three rounds and then from there it's just ELIMs for from there. Okay. On. Uh so it was like the United States ought to provide single payer healthcare.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then just you get the affirmative, which is like yes, I agree with this, and the negative, which is like no, here's why. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's really interesting. It's a lot of fun. It makes you think very critically about these. Mm-hmm. Like, as long as it's underneath the resolution, you can argue whatever. Like, it's very broad, but it's mm-hmm. it's very nice. Learn, teaches what, you very good research. Mm-hmm.
0: Which position did you take? Did you take before or against this one?
1: Like, I'm just, or, just or were you assigned? Like, oh, you were assigned. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which one were you assigned? I I went neg f, f. so oh. uh i debated the negative being like no single pair healthcare care bad because mm-hmm. x and then my affirmative was like yes it's good because x
0: oh okay so you so am i interpreting this correctly in the first round you come in say no and then there's another round where you say yes
1: mm-hmm. yeah so okay. you'll 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 be having to deb- debate both okay. positions and just in oh, different wow. rounds okay mm-hmm.
0: And then the judge bases your performance based off of both to see if you can
1: move on. uh, Just the one round that they're judging. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. So think of it like a,
1: like a soccer game, right? Like Ah. a soccer tournament. Uh, You, you play one team, right? You win one Oh, and then you have that one ref for that one game In the next Mm -hmm. game uh, you're playing a different team with a different ref and you lose a one. And then that's kind of how it functions.
0: Okay. And then the amount of, points that you get determine whether or not you get Mm elimed
1: yeah so like uh, a winning record would be like a 2-1 or better so like Mm -hmm. a 2-1 or 3-0 that breaks you into elims and then like a 1-2 and 0-3 it eliminates you so you don't go into elims okay interesting so Mm -hmm.
0: no draws at all ever no Mm -hmm. okay yeah for the better yeah no draws suck
1: like (laughs) the US should have beat Wales I'm gonna be honest
0: (laughs) uh um okay have you do you remember doing any sort of debate that kind of related to what we were talking about earlier whatever topic that might be like maybe let's say for example your connection with media and society have you ever done a debate topic like that mm -hmm. okay
1: yeah uh the topic i believe last year in march april was uh like a democracy ought to prioritize um Objectivity over advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is in a democracy a free press ought to prioritize objectivity over advocacy, which is strictly about media. And uh, like that's what really got me into just like more critical thinkers on media, like Bausriard, uh, and just really just built up a lot of my knowledge on semiotics through media
2: mm-hmm.
1: it to that degree, which was really cool. Uh and then single parent healthcare was also one that I got to talk talk about um, basically humanitarianism being bad, which is really interesting. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: It's not something you want to run in Oklahoma, I can tell you that, but it was was fun. I enjoyed that case.
0: Okay, awesome. So I kind of want to... I'm not as knowledgeable in philosophy as you are, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to learn from you a little bit. Which of the philosophies that you've learned... Like, of all of them that you kind of that you kind of have knowledge of, which one of them resonates with you the most, or at least your favorite one, let's say? What is your favorite philosophy?
1: Oh, that, that's actually really hard. Okay, so I really like Schopenhauer and his just perception of the world being the world just sucks is essentially like his idea, which is really interesting. um and, but he says. I think what was it it's in a. it's in his like one like super cool book uh shoot what was it is that uh yeah our will uh basically is like bad or something and mm-hmm. then we have to like just it's super weird it's I, I can't so he's I like a pessimist
0: decide. pretty much yeah okay really
1: cool really cool dude like his general idea pretty cool I don't really agree with it but I think it's cool it's cool. Uh, Baudrillard, on the other hand, is like my, I think he's one of my like all-time favorite philosophers. Uh, Baudrillard mainly deals with like media and semiotics. Um, so he, one of his like major arguments is that essentially we're at a period in time where we have so many, like basically these outputs from the media that we don't actually know. What they're telling us is real anymore because mm-hmm. we can't tell if it's even referencing a real event at this point uh mm-hmm. so he writes a lot about this he gives the gulf war as a really good example in three mm-hmm. of his essays uh being uh i think it's with is it gonna uh, so his first one is the gulf war will not take place mm-hmm. uh the gulf war is it taking place and then the third one being the gulf war did not take place Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know if I showed you that book in Chicago, but I, uh, it's which one? Uh, it's that? called the Gulf War. Did not take place. What? I don't know if I showed it to you. Uh, probably not. Probably not. Uh, but basically, like <laughs> his main argument throughout that entire thing is that uh, the way that the media itself operates, it can distinguish narratives and say what uh like who's winning why they're winning and even yeah. if that isn't true so like the uh the reference or the what they're referencing isn't even true so mm. therefore we don't actually have a true perception or root within the reality of what's actually going um, on okay
0: so he's it's, kind of saying that objective truth is has become non-existent yes, in yes. okay interesting
1: it, it is super cool. Interesting. Like, yeah. I I highly recommend reading Baudrillard just because of how, how, how a how you spell a it? A contra- oh, French. Oh, you yeah. like French guys, huh?
0: I love France. <laughs> French philosophy <laughs> can go a long way. But German too, actually. German philosophy mm-hmm. has a lot Hegel, of content. He's full Nietzsche. Nietzsche, Nietzsche. Yeah, yeah, no. man, Nietzsche's
1: <laughs> Loco, super, bro.
0: super. Super cool dude. Like he has his ideas are just so I don't know man. He's he had a different mind, bro. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on nihilism?
1: Speaking of Nietzsche, I really like it. Um, oh no, I, re- we, I re- we see, disagree again. But the the way I I see nihil, I don't see like nihilism, pessimism, like cynicism as bad. I see them as a mm-hmm. rejection of reality, like mm-hmm. it or like the emergence of a meaning like we attribute a false meaning based upon our like external circumstance yeah this this is my personal belief on it uh but like it comes from an external circumstance which that meaning is gonna not it's not gonna be the same based upon what you want to have meaning it's not gonna have the exact same meaning so i believe that if we're pulling this that's this meaning from so-and-so that's not a way that will actually fulfill our life. And therefore it does not have any meaning. So therefore Mm -hmm. life itself, which is typically determined from these external circumstances is something we should not hold dear, like close to us and we Mm -hmm. should develop that meaning for ourselves.
0: Yeah. Life is meaningless. That's pretty much the whole point of nihilism. Mm
1: -hmm. And yeah, it's really, it's really cool. Like, cause on the surface, like it, it seems so bad. But the more you dig into it, I feel like there's so much more that get get, that's offered that it just gets overlooked.
0: So what's like the main component of nihilism that you saw and you were like, okay, I can mess with this. I
1: don't, I feel like I really, I was at a point where like, it made sense, like just that life has no meaning. Right. Uh, Mm. Or like something like this. Uh, And from just thinking about it more and more and more it was just like I myself was not at a place where I felt satisfied with what I was doing yeah and so I went out more and more and more and just started experiencing life for what I wanted to do how I wanted to do things Mm -hmm. stuff like this and that really like well I might not have been like doing the greatest in school but I got my grades up don't worry but it um basically made me just like feel a lot happier a lot better like it made me just like enjoy like experience more and more
0: that's actually very interesting that nihilism actually helped you because in a lot of cases if you look at people who become nihilistic it's the same kind of circumstance like you don't feel Mm -hmm. satisfied with your life and then you kind of go into that nihilistic point of view of uh oh life is meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. There's no point to all this. My life is miserable. Like mm-hmm. There's no meaning to it. And then they end up having very antisocial tendencies. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting that you ended up not going down that route because that's mm-hmm. my reason for not associating myself with nihilism is because I didn't want to go down that path, mm-hmm. right? Because I was in a very, very similar situation to you. I wasn't very satisfied with what was going on, right? Yeah. So instead of going the nihilistic path, I kind of went – to the path to pursuit meaning, I guess, because mm-hmm. of course you did as well, but nihilism kind of helped you see what that actually was, mm-hmm. if that's right or not.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is,
0: is that what happened? Okay. Mm-hmm. So because to me, I interpret nihilism as, oh, life has no meaning. Therefore, mm-hmm. to pursue in anything or put effort into anything, it has no intrinsic meaning because at the end of the day, when you die, there's nothingness, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that happens it's no point to it so i didn't want to do that cuz i didn't want to i don't want to live sense. my life that way right yeah so i wanted to go towards the meaningful path and of course that can be associated with like religion and god and all that but mm-hmm. of course i took a more secularist point of view i was i just again i took those religious perspectives i got what i could out of it And then I got all the good stuff I I cherry picked, right? Mm -hmm. I I got all the good stuff that could help me, right? Help me Mm -hmm. build a better life for myself. And then I put that into my own life. So yeah, that's pretty much how I did it. And which is another reason why I argue that religion is necessary is because it provides a sense of direction for people to go toward as opposed to chaos. Mm -hmm. And of course you can argue for chaos every now and then. Because we need a little bit of chaos in our lives. For sure. Um, Yeah, we do. But there's limits to everything. So and I think religion is a good uh is a good place to not place, but a good thing to put down to say, hey, you can do these things, but you cannot do these things. Because if you do these things, your life could be more meaningful in this, 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 and that, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not, I'm not too much of an expert on religion, so I'm not sure the exact things that religion portrays as meaningful. All I can, all I know that I took from it is number one, telling the truth. Number two, loving your family. Number three, taking as much responsibility as you possibly can. And I think another one is yeah, number four, is self-reflection like if you were to look into islam there's something called i forgot the arabic wording of it but it's Mm -hmm. the holy war on the soul Mm -hmm. right and it it includes the word jihad which is holy war right and we know what jihad means now kind of but the original meaning is the holy war on the soul meaning what you do is you look at yourself and how you are and you see the capability of you doing good and the capability of you doing evil, because we're capable of doing both. Whether, no, no matter what like definition you put on good or evil, we are capable of doing both. And what the holy war on the soul is, you basically war on that evil version of yourself. You kind of, you don't exactly suppress it, because suppressing it just makes you naive, right? What you do is you recognize its, its, its existence, and what you do, you kind of integrate it and tame it. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say... Aggression is a is a part of that kind of dark place that is the evil, right? Mm. You can kind of integrate that aggression and make it into assertiveness, but not aggression. It can make you assertive but not aggressive. Like you have the capacity to say no, but you won't fight somebody on it, Mm. right? It's a way to put more respect on your name. I get like that's the only way I can really put it. It's it's a way to be not naive and be I guess someone who's capable of evil and knows that they're capable of evil but chooses not to do it and to me I think that's true morality as opposed to someone who's naive and doesn't actually know what they're capable of because what Mm -hmm. happens is it like when you're naive and you don't know what you're capable of let's say you snap you don't even know you're like something happens and you can't even control it right like all that suppressed like quote-unquote darkness inside of you comes out and you don't even realize it and you can't control it. Mm-hmm. So you end up doing something that you regret pretty much. Yeah. So I think that's just my case. What are your no, thoughts it, on that?
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like uh, just the ability to like take something and then change that form into something better than that. Like, yeah. Is like, just, it's a really powerful mindset. Like uh, yeah. in, in, like like you said like the war on like this evil right the Mm -hmm. we don't want that evil like so we like take that whatever feeling we might be like feeling at this and like point right here and then change Mm -hmm. it into like this like completely like this this better version of that yeah and i feel like it it just has like super or like a lot of capability that's just not really recognized on like a surface level like Mm -hmm. i feel like it has the same way as like nihilism uh like ultimately like, like just realizing that nothing matters like uh me going to x place because of x and then like there's also y there and, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really have any meaning and like i would rather go and do something that i would rather do right uh and then in that like it shows me that hey there's so much more than just this oh. option here and it presents you with this like second like mm-hmm. there's always something better that you could do that but like always it's also finding a balance honestly yeah. like because yeah. you can't always just do what you want to do but it helps you to like actually show like this is not the one thing you can always be pursuing there's always mm. e- like exterior things that you could do. Mm. I, I,
0: I never I never knew that side of nihilism to just say like if nothing really matters I can do what I want to do. Mm. I I never I I was never told that actually. I've always been exposed to just oh nihilism is a bad thing because mm-hmm. it tells you life is meaningless. Therefore, if you do whatever you want, you can do bad stuff but your case for it is there like you said way way before the kind of the lessons that they give in the religious texts some of them are just common sense mm-hmm. so if you were to look at something that it if you look at it through a common sense point of view and it's not good you would know not to do that without without the presence of god or religion mm-hmm. i okay that makes that makes sense so what's your case then like why do you think or what makes you think that those lessons provided in those religious texts are actually common sense like why what actually gave you the value systems that
1: make you think okay it's common sense uh so ultimately like i i feel like everyone has like a set guideline of morals right and like we we grow up in society like and those morals typically come more into like conform with That societal ideal whether it be through our parents teachers other friends stuff like this we still learn generally from them and what actions are good what actions are bad why they're good why they're bad and all of this so like I feel like with even with like the absence of like a like a biblical text telling us that hey this is good because like God said it, it I feel like it has a more practical application into our real life if it's coming from like like a parent, a teacher, a, like someone else we know, and like
2: mm-hmm.
1: being more open in that sense because it it builds more of like a healthier relationship with just portraying emotions through that way, like hey, this is bad because it makes me feel like X. And right. then it, it also builds like communica- communicative bases. Mm. So it just becomes that common sense after like just essentially like a preschool classroom, right? Like mm-hmm. you have kids like stealing toys. The teacher's like, hey, that's wrong. So-and-so is playing with that or that's so-and-so's toy, like give that back. So you, you're starting to learn right. how like stealing is bad. And then mm-hmm. like if you're caught in a lie, like, oh, you you feel bad because and like that feeling of like, shame itself i feel like is another like just mm-hmm. human emotion that tells yeah, us and guides us through morals and stuff like that which is like ultimately why like i don't feel as if like a religious text needs to tell us what is good what's bad right. and stuff like that but i do feel like it also does provide a good like basis of like here are some general rules that you, we should follow and just mm-hmm. puts it down like here's something to live by like the 10 commandments right that's a lot easier mm-hmm. than like oh i already know this
0: yeah <laughs> like oh. mm-hmm. okay if i'm gonna interpret this correctly i guess your case is religion is not bad but is but it's also not a complete necessity because we can kind of derive whether or not it is whether or not an action is good or bad based on the experience that we have after we do it like you said if we were to lie and get caught in it it, it wouldn't
1: be good for us is that kind of what you're saying yeah yeah for sure and like other things like murder being bad i mean i feel like just to cover that base like i i feel like that's pretty unspoken that like mm-hmm. taking someone else's life is bad because like it restricts their autonomy uh punishment's mm. bad and like all like all, just there's so many arguments for it okay like, yeah
0: so my kind of little like punch to
1: you would be
0: what do you think these values came from originally
1: i feel like uh so the context in which a lot of these like scriptures are written was under one where people didn't really have any type of like unified system Mm -hmm. like i feel like I mean, it did come after the Greeks, so I feel like it pulled a little bit from Greek philosophy itself, and like that that general premise, Uh, because like these were like they deal these texts deal a lot with the concept of justice, uh, Mm -hmm. and like do not lie to their neighbor, to thy neighbor, uh, like do not like be good, yada yada yada. Yep, it's all like to give everybody like their own respect, their own like each their do essentially like stuff like this. is like, uh, cause you can honestly see it in one of the main themes of like the Bible. Like if you follow this and you do good, mm-hmm. then you don't go to hell because yeah. if you, because if you don't do this, you're doing bad things. So therefore you're being unjust. So you're going to hell and you your do. So like yeah. what kind of like that and that dynamic, well, yeah, like, kinda, like yeah. um, in the Republic that's dealt with a little bit,
0: yeah, it's definitely that. Definitely, you're you're going to go to hell if you don't do that. That's that's a motivator for people not to do those things, as opposed mm-hmm. to just saying, "Oh, don't do it because it's bad." Right? Yeah. To say you're going to eternally suffer—that's way more powerful to say to somebody than just say, "Oh, it's not a good thing." Yeah. Um, do you think that that's important? That that should have been done at the time. Do you think that? It was written in that way specifically because the people during that time would not have just taken words light like would would have taken those words lightly, or do you believe that it's just an exaggeration outright, just from the beginning?
1: I kind of feel like it's a, it's a mixture of both, um, like because at the time, like I'm not like a historian or like biblical scholar, but like just from my general background knowledge, yeah. like at that at that time there were like massive massive groups of people uh that were completely different from each other coming from completely different background like cultural backgrounds uh and i feel like it was ultimately a way of just like establishing a commonality between them mm. uh and but at the same time like a lot of like i don't remember where moses what book that was but uh mm. like it kind of unified people against another people Uh, and I think it's
0: Exodus. I think that's what it is. Might be probably. I'm not. I'm not an expert either. But yeah,
1: (laughs) that I mean that sounds right. But like it's there's just so many different things. Like it unifies a a, a populace, right? Mm -hmm. Like it it creates like a a culture essentially, and it helps to build like a common ground to help say, hey, we should all treat each other well. When that may or may not have been happening very Mm -hmm. well at that time. Mm-hmm. but like in a more like say like developed structure from then like like it's been what thousands of years from then right. and like we've come so far to where i feel like these morals have just been integrated within them to how society operates to where religion right. isn't necessarily like a necessity anymore to tell mm-hmm. us these these morals mm-hmm.
0: so based on what you just said then why do you believe people still gravitate toward religion? Do you have like a theory on it? Or do you actually like know the reason or is that not something that you really looked into? I, have,
1: I don't have I don't have like a reason, but like I mean I have a I have a, I have a guess. I have my, okay. my own little guess. Let's hear it. But like it's just a hereditary, like, like it's just passed down, right? People right? yeah, like yeah. yeah. Uh and then from there it could be like someone finds solace within like some of these texts, like right. they're, they're like, this really resonates with me. I'm going to follow this or like, mm-hmm. uh, like stuff like that. I feel like really gravitates people towards religion. So, but at the same yeah. time, I feel like it could be like, coming from like a neutral standpoint, it could be hard to get into a religion like that.
0: Yeah. I definitely agree that people are gravitated toward religion because they find peace in it. I mm-hmm. think that's a huge thing of why people actually do it. And it it gives also gives them, yeah,
1: sorry. A reason. Sorry, I was just yeah. saying it gives us a reason.
0: Yeah. It gives us pretty much a reason to live in one sense too. Mm-hmm. And an answer to questions like where did we come from? It's just, yeah, it's a place for, for peace for some people. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the history of religion is not very peaceful, but. Not at all. Yeah. So just a quick question. This is, is obvious to me, but I just want to know,
1: do you believe in God? I, I don't. I don't mm-hmm. myself. Like, I, I, I'm i a firm believer in, like, evolution to where that kind of, like, invalidates uh, the entire Adam and Eve arc or yeah. whatever. Like, um, I just don't feel like there's necessarily like, a being out there, like... That is just like, hey, I'm going to create this and just let it be (laughs) like, yeah, that that doesn't make logical sense. Because like, if God were to do that, right? they're like it's like say say he's completely gone, right? The, mm-hmm. Like he's just doing something else now. Uh like and our, none of our prayers are being answered. Nothing's happening. Like the <laughs> world is isn't great. Like that doesn't make sense on like why we should mm-hmm. attribute some sort of power to this being that's just letting people suffer. And then even then if he was still observing and just like listening to the prayers but not doing anything about it. Do uh, you really want to believe in like some sadistic being who's just taking pleasure out of your pain mm. like it just yeah it, it doesn't make sense for me because like yeah if if god were to be like this all-powerful good being like this wouldn't be happening essentially mm. like that okay. that's 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 my little take but if you kind know? of
0: think of it this way god is like conceptually god is very powerful right mm-hmm. yeah so and i'm sure our problems if you really think about it this way aren't very relevant to his problems yeah so if us as people were so minuscule to the entire universe that god quote unquote created mm-hmm. why would god have to prove his existence
1: to us that is fair uh because like the main goal is like to prove we have faith and yeah. like this god um And even then, like, even if we were to, like, to do any of this, right, that's Mm. still falling into, like, this, he's just taking pleasure from our pain, like, Mm. and after all, we are apparently, like, God's chosen, so, like, Mm -hmm. why would he neglect us in our pain and -hmm. our suffering just because it doesn't compare into his? Mm. Interesting.
0: So, you think God letting us be is a reflection of God just creating Earth and just leaving it be, right? Just like letting it go and focusing on something else, kind of.
1: Yeah. Like it yeah, it, yeah.
0: If God were to exist, yeah. Yeah. And if God were to exist, if you look into the religious text, God grants humanity free will. Mm-hmm. So that could be a cause for which God is not constantly like on our ass saying, Hey, mm-hmm. you, should, you should probably shouldn't be doing that because he gave us the, the power of free will. I think it was the apple or something like that and adam Adam and eve that represent free will or knowledge i forgot what it was Mm -hmm. but it was that and because they ate it and they pretty much ultimately betrayed god i said Mm -hmm. all right you can keep it but you can't live here anymore you have to go into the grueling hard world and in my opinion i think the story of adam and eve i agree with you like what really I feel like it's just a woman metaphor. from ribs yeah it's, yeah it's definitely symbolism it's all symbolism yeah. which is why i say i think the whole point of religion is to just regulate society
1: mm-hmm. i think
0: that's that's just my take i whether or not i believe in god i'm still trying to figure that out mm-hmm. i just think it was created for people to have an answer to their questions and to abide by rules that would ultimately make the society and their lives better whether or not that was for whether if it whether or not it actually did make their lives in society better you can argue no but i mean yeah that's i'm still very con, i'm a little confused on religion because yeah whether or not god exists i don't know but the effects of religion that's what i can either refute or support but the existence mm. of god
1: i don't really know i don't know yeah like i don't i don't feel like answering that question really has any like answer to us like i don't feel like if we even knew or didn't know that if god existed like i don't think that would change anything like Mm -hmm. like sure we could believe in god but like we still have like all of these other things that are just being changed and i feel like we should live in the present compared to like oh all of us will be fine i'm just going to heaven when i die oh okay so
0: focus more Mm -hmm. On what's going on around you, rather than focusing on a spiritual point of view,
1: mm-hmm. like, or, or like on the pathway to how do I get to God, or like yeah. what would God want? Like I feel like oh, just yeah. just recognizing a like something as like good or bad is because like we have a lot of like yeah you know you know the overtoning of Roe v Wade you know yeah these can things have, based can have based upon a religion like yeah. It just doesn't make the most sense. Robbie Wait we is a to...
0: is a very special case because some people, some people argue that it was not a religious case. They just said it was a
1: constitutional one. That's what I, I believe. Felt. It was a constitutional one rooted within religion, like rooted within religion.
0: Yeah, and even though in the Constitution specifically says separate
1: church and state, but you know, whatever. I mean, I don't it's feel like that. Whatever. <laughs> it's whatever. It just that hasn't been followed, and it hasn't been followed for a while now and especially with the current supreme court 6-3 like it's pretty 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 bad i believe Mm -hmm. um i guess
0: from what i've heard on the internet by i guess the opposition to us because we both are kind of not really too religious we're kind of no Religion exists and it exists, right? Whether yeah. or not God, God exists, that's questionable. But if you look at the other side, I've definitely been doing a little bit of you know, video watching and article reading. The other side states that the quote-unquote, the irrefutable evidence for the existence of God is a world without God. Meaning that the world without God is not a good one that's what they that's what their claim is and of course they point to communism and nazism so but if you really look at it not all atheists are communists or nazis
1: (laughs) so a lot of holes in there it wasn't I, I, I swear I swear the Nazis had some religious affiliation were they
2: were I, they I, I need to google this
1: I need to google this hold on
2: I don't know i don't i don't know um...
0: Okay, they say he was not an atheist. Hitler was, was not, not an atheist. atheist. He was not an atheist, and he, he was and he introduced was a Catholic, to... right?
2: Yes, yes, yeah, I just Catholic. read that.
0: Okay,
1: interesting. So they were Christian, oh, but maybe. I'm I'm looking at an article though right now that says Hitler hated Judaism, but loathed Christianity too. Mm-hmm. So apparently, I Nazism know.
0: was heavily influenced by Nietzsche too from like some stuff that I've seen. Interesting.
1: Well, um, that's fall. I mean, so I, okay. Nietzsche, basically his work was weaponized by the Nazis to where people then perceived Nietzsche as a Nazi himself, even though he was not like, it's really interesting and just the weaponization of his texts and that movement. But I I, I don't know if Nazis weren't atheists.
0: Mm-hmm. it says I I have... yeah it says like this is wikipedia so i don't really know it says like broadly speaking despite nietzsche's hostility towards anti-semitism and nationalism the nazis made very selective use of nietzsche's philosophy mm-hmm. and eventually this association led to nietzsche's reputation to suffer following world war ii so they did the cherry picking like yes yeah. they saw little little snippets of what he said like oh that agrees with what i think so nietzsche is my guy
1: yeah it's <laughs> but, yeah. It's, it's really interesting
0: it is so yeah very interesting so well, like i guess since we're on the topic of nietzsche what like which texts have you read on nietzsche like which books
1: are you ready not many no nope. uh, i i have read short excerpts listen to a few uh, podcasts about okay. him i am by no means an expert on him at okay. all i i know oh. him, like little to nothing
0: well, I highly recommend The Antichrist by Nietzsche. That's that's a good one. He pretty much says he doesn't like Christianity. That's pretty much the whole point of it. And he even makes like arguments for how Buddhism makes more sense than Christianity. And how it's intrinsically better than Christianity overall. So I remember, speaking of Buddhism... You had quite a lot to say about Buddhism while we were at Chicago. So why don't you tell me about your thoughts on Buddhism?
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. I've come to terms with Buddhism as I don't have to write a paper about it anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Bu- Buddhism is actually pretty cool. Like I think mm-hmm. it's very, very interesting in the way that it asks us to perceive the world. Like uh, the, like, Just the ability to, essentially, I don't, I don't know how to like explain it. I think it's Mm -hmm. like the ability to just like come to terms and like with existence and like how this end goal shouldn't be like to maximize our good or to minimize Mm -hmm. our bad. It's just to live life itself. Mm -hmm. Is ultimately like what I took out of Buddhism itself, Um, which I think is like a really really beneficial mindset and I feel like it has a lot to serve but it's been ultimately ignored and overlooked by uh many of like the Western tradition, like typically like going over towards like, you know, uh like Christianity, like all forms of Christianity, the Abrahamic religions especially actually we'll just go there. Um when Buddhism itself is just like more real. It's more within oneself it's not like i'm doing this for x i'm doing this action for god so god thinks i'm good so i go to heaven it's more like coming to terms with who you are as a person right it's so it's like I...
0: it's like islam's holy war on the soul without the element of god pretty much mm-hmm. I, feel, it's, I, feel like, I feel like that's a valid comparison yeah interesting yeah i i do like the idea of buddhism to kind of it's a lot of self-reflection a lot of meditation of being mm. one with your environment and instead of pursuing heaven, for example, you pursue enlightenment. Right. Mm. Which that's very, I, I can mess with that. Like I, yeah. I can mess with that. Um, yeah.
1: So what like, are
0: your
1: opinions? To- huh? Sorry. I was just going to say like, I've talked to Ari so much about like Buddhism yeah. and it's just like uh, you know, at that point in Chicago, when we we're talking about Buddhism, Mm-hmm. we both hated it so much but like yeah. ultimately like outside of having to write that essay like it it serves so much and that's like the only like religion that uh like we, we both like agreed to like that we could like even be a part of really part of, yeah yeah okay
0: what are your thoughts on ancient philosophy
1: uh okay so uh, because I already my, know him, but, the, but the people listening don't but go ahead. My let, let me find out what day I posted this. Um I, th- this is very important. I need this specific date. Okay. On uh July 21st of uh 2022 I wrote in my Instagram caption on my post uh that i became an ancient philosophy hater uh after (laughs) spending three weeks in chicago with uh professor john forrest love the dude john john is gogan but ancient philosophy ancient philosophy can suck it i hate it (laughs) so much because not much of it is like really applicable like outside of like a specific few ideas to the real world but i feel like Mm -hmm there are still things that are applicable stoicism i don't rock with it i don't rock with oh, it i man. feel like it ta- <laughs> like i feel like it takes a lot of humanity out of being a person like really? i feel like i feel like being calm and just like changing your mindset just isn't really the ability to be human i feel like experiencing that emotion to whatever you're feeling is how you ultimately should like mm. It, like deal with that emotion and then make okay. that that emotion better like kind, kind of like the whole yeah. board like like right I feel like that's a more positive way than just being like oh well my dog died so but I'm just going to remember all of these good times and how this dog gave me so many of these good good years mm-hmm. compared to just like grieve that loss like you should be able to grieve that loss like yeah. take your time feel like the pain of just losing that animal that you were so close to. Right, like that's that's my take on that well like plato i feel like he has a lot to offer still um mm. but and buddhism as well but uh confucianism is very interesting though mm. i don't i don't know how i feel about that like i i, need, I still need to read a lot more yeah about, i don't, I don't know that. much
0: about confucianism the only thing that i that i have heard about it is that it really encourages
1: like learning that's all i know mm. and like familial boundaries mm. and stuff like that yeah. it's 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 really interesting uh, to that degree, but other than that, like, I just I'm just not a fan of it, really. Mm. But, but Native American philosophy or like indigenous philosophy itself, highly recommend it. Like, it's actually, really? I've never it's it. really different, and it's really enlightening. Like, I, I can send you a PDF if you want. Uh, Please, like for all of the listeners, highly recommend Brian Burkhart's... uh, what's it called? It's in a, it's in, a, in an anthology, but his um his text itself is about like uh what the coyote can teach us well something in the coyote can teach us uh and it's it basically talks about uh metaphysics and like what we ultimately was metaphysics something epistemology it's epistemology that's what it was uh and how we should have these we have these four pillars right um that we should live our lives by, uh, the first being the limits of questioning, being how like we don't need an answer to everything. Like we mm-hmm. should just be able, like we don't need to know how to like build a nuclear weapon. We don't need to know how to, like, right. Or the most efficient way to kill someone. Like mm-hmm. there, there are things that we sh- that just should not be really answered.
0: Yeah, there, are, there are questions that we don't have to have an answer to, but as long as we question, that's a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. like there, we should, we should question things but just like there's some things that just shouldn't be questioned it's Mm. it's really cool uh like (laughs) it's it's a really different perspective uh especially within the current state of the world right now Mm -hmm. uh and he's actually my professor next semester fun fact oh uh yeah uh super cool dude uh but okay so basically the four pillars right i I kind of just left that out the first one uh the first one was like everything's related so like we should we are both simultaneously related to our parents but we're also simultaneously related to like a blade of grass across the globe from us like every like our actions now have an action that will impact someone or something across the world from us right now so coming to that realization therefore gives us like a power and the ability to understand our actions to a better capacity. And then the second one was the limits of questioning. Uh, and then from there, the third is the meaning shaping principle of action, uh, which it basically says that every action that we take essentially like is, we're viewing the world through that ideology. like, we're seeing it through our experiences and how like we view the world. Like mm-hmm. that's like, so our perception itself acts upon an object and stuff like this, which is it's really interesting. And then the fourth one is that if uh, everything is true, uh, or like if one through three are true, then the the world itself is moral and therefore good. It's really cool.
0: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of want to circle back to Stoicism a little bit because Go for it. I'm a I'm a Stoic. I'm, I'm a. Savior. Oh, I know. I, I know. <laughs> so <laughs> when when you said that we should be able to. Like express out like like the way we feel when something happens to us Mm -hmm. stoicism doesn't exactly say no to that what it actually Mm -hmm. is it's we recognize the way we feel and Mm -hmm. then we and then what it says is we should be able to understand the way we feel and therefore Mm -hmm. choose whether or not we want to act on that or choose to act on something else or kind of like not exactly suppress it but like control it like integrate it like mm. i said about you know the holy war on the soul it's kind of the same thing well let's mm. say you're feeling some sense of anger towards something mm. stoicism says don't lash out on that anger think about the consequences that would happen if you were to lash out on that anger and then mm. try to control it in a way that would benefit you instead of hurting you that's pretty much mm. what stoicism is it's not a lot of people confuse stoicism for emotionlessness mm. right Like, oh, I'm incapable. Yeah, a lot of people mistake it for that. What what it really is, it's something happens to you and it's your choice whether or not to dwell on it. And it says, if something's out of your control, try not to dwell on it too much because you can't control it anyway. Mm -hmm. Like only focus on the things that you can control. Be grateful for what you have. Um, Focus on the moment, be present, meditate. It's like... To me, it, it resonates with me the most. That's why mm-hmm. I, I love stoicism. I really do. I um what I do it every morning, right? I wake up, I do like a like my little morning routine, and then I get out a journal and I start journaling, right? Because mm-hmm. stoicism highly encourages journaling. So I kind of journal my thoughts down, like just the first thing that comes to my head. I sometimes I do my dreams that I can remember. I do like goals or like something I want to do today. Just like stuff like that to just put me in a mindset and just keep me like just leveled. Like that's what stoicism does for me. It keeps me leveled. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what
1: are your what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, I just I just feel like like certain actions they deserve to make you upset, but like, true. I just I don't think that like you staying calm and like rooted within like oh this thing could like. It, I don't know it just doesn't mm. seem right to me to be able to mm. just like to deny essentially is how i view it like, oh
0: you see it as denial like oh something bad happened but i won't choose to be affected by it because like it's i not feel actually like it's that the, bad or
1: i feel like it's the malpractice of it itself like i don't know how to explain it like mm. it just because a lot of the people that i have spoken to about stoicism are just like no, I don't. I'm, I'm super calm all the time. Like I just ignore everything and stuff like that. And it's just yeah, like, that,
0: yeah, no, that's not the how way you explained done. it.
1: Makes a lot yeah. more sense because, yeah. like, the way I like that these people were like describing it, I'm like, yeah, what? <laughs> like that doesn't make sense. Yeah, at that point, but it's then,
0: neither realistic nor practical.
1: Yeah, no, the way you yeah. explained it makes to- a lot more sense, and definitely that meant that it just that actually that actually quells some of my hatred for for stoicism. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think why so many people like associate stoicism with emotionlessness and why the people you talk to who identify themselves as stoics say, Oh, I ignore everything, it's because of media, which goes to your point. Like Mm -hmm. people interpret like a philosophy a certain way and then they put it out there, even if it's not correct. And then because it's on like a video platform, and people would rather watch a video than read. The meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Like, people would rather yeah. watch a video on it, right? And then there's some dude who's like, like, fit guy and is like, nice apartment and it's really nice setups talking about like stoicism and all these like effects that goes on. It's like, mm-hmm. I try stoicism for 30 days or whatever, whatever. And then they just give you like an interpretation that's completely wrong, like mm-hmm. being like, just, oh, ignore all the things that like ignore the bad stuff. You're not supposed to ignore the bad stuff, you're supposed to actually recognize the bad stuff and actually look towards the bad stuff so you know what to do when the bad stuff happens to you like Mm. there's like there's a stoic um concept called negative visualization Mm. right where you kind of imagine the worst possible outcome in a certain situation right like let's say you're getting ready for work and then you're thinking about traffic that would, mm. might make you late to this certain route that might have happened to you before. So that negative visualization kind of says, okay, this could happen. So how about I try a different route that might get me there faster. So I won't risk being late to work. It's basically preparing you for the worst possible outcome. So when it actually happens to you, you know what to do when it happens. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the whole point of it. Of course, it doesn't always work because, you know. Yeah. You can't predict the future, right? Mm. But pretty much the concept of that is just be prepared for when some for when you pretty much take your guard down. When something happens that you didn't expect, have some sort of preparation for it so you can have full control over the situation so that mm. something bad doesn't end up happening to you. Right. That's the whole that's that- the yeah, that's the whole point of stoicism is just have control over yourself and over your life, because having control over yourself can help you have control over your own life. That's that's the whole
1: point of stoicism. Mm-hmm. That makes that makes actually so much more sense. And that it, <laughs> it makes that's so much more logical. Oh, my. No, that, that was. Thank you. Thank you. Glad I'm glad I could
0: help you understand a little bit better. what this actually is as opposed to just you know being in an emotionless state just like not smiling just i mean i get why somebody would have that interpretation because like Mm -hmm. if you kind of read the meditations or you read seneca it kind of it can be portrayed that way because what they do is they talk about certain issues and then they say oh don't dwell on it too much because it because it'll make your life worse but people kind of interpret it as oh it's not that big of a deal Mm -hmm. you know so that's what leads to the to me it's a false interpretation but all interpretations are subjective mm. so however you interpret it you can the way you want to so yeah my interpretation is not the michael interpretation <laughs> awesome well if you ever get in if you ever get interested in, into stoicism i highly recommend letters from a stoic by seneca please like okay. that that book of course it it was written in ancient times so there's some parts that are like okay that really doesn't make sense anymore but most mm-hmm. of it, are they're very valuable lessons. Like, he definitely goes into, like, what type of friends you should have. Like, people who want the best for you. Like, stuff like that. Like, that's the type of friends mm-hmm. you should have. It, it's, it's the cherry-picking thing again, like, with religion. You kind of take out of it the good stuff, which is kind of the majority. And then the other stuff that's, it was relevant to those times thousands of years ago. But now, not really. So, I'll mm-hmm. just take what's good and I'll in, implement that into my own life, which is what I did with stoicism as well
1: no no that's sick like actually that's
2: really
0: cool you of course as a consequence to you know the the red state of Oklahoma you decided to lean left um and do you think by you ended up like leaning left that kind of contribute to you being interested in the communist manifesto Like, why, like, why did you actually go to the Communist Manifesto in the first place?
1: I feel like it was just, like, a fascination with the idea of not really, or just, like, teaching myself what else is out there. Like, Mm. so from a young age, like, I kind of, like, grew up in uh, the library, basically, like. Mm-hmm. My, my family and I, we used to always go uh, into the library like every like Saturday morning and stuff like that or like more during the week and like I'd always come out with like just a pile of books
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I would just read book after book after book on um, like from, I think I started with mm-hmm. like just like the Percy Jackson or no, no, the Magic Treehouse. Magic Tree oh, I love those books. Yeah. Those ones. No, they're fantastic. I love them. Uh, and then it, that kind of like got me interested in history. Uh, and then so like I started reading about the Greeks, which got me into Percy Jackson. Mm. And just all of this, it just like culminated into my fascination for like history of politics and stuff like that. And it's just kind of kept building off of itself mm. and further and further and further until I arrived at philosophy, which is just endless. Like... <laughs> You could find something about anything, which mm-hmm. itself is a flaw, uh, but it also I feel like is one of its strengths. Yeah. So, the communist manifesto was just my way of just branching out into philosophy before I even realized it, basically. Mm.
0: So, like, you're, it was motivated by your curiosity to just know more, pretty much. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. It, it's, it's a mm. path that, that's, like, almost... Determine my life, I guess, like, that's just the way I've lived for a long time now, like, it's just being mm. constantly open to new ideas, new experiences, new things, all of this, like, it builds mm. up so much of a base to where, like, there's always something else, there's something to yeah. explore, there's something out there, right. like, and I feel like that's really just branched out so far and, like, just where I am
2: that's that's cool that's cool Mm -hmm. so
0: i i I still want to i still don't quite understand your opinion on communism like Mm -hmm. completely like do you do you think that it has the potential to work or like like it doesn't like it wasn't done the correct way or like i'm not i'm still a little bit confused
1: I think I'm so confused with my own decision about it. Like, <laughs> like I, I feel like it's a mixture of both. Like, I don't see communism working the way Marx intended it to work, nor do I see it actually working in the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I see the ideas as really strong, like, especially uh, more of Gramsci compared to Marx, uh, like, specifically through his ideas of, like, hegemony and stuff like that, and just how we need to sever both the ideology and the base please yeah, send me a PDF or questions.
0: whatever of that if you can.
1: No, trust yeah. me,
0: trust oh. me. I, still, I send have, me as many things as you can.
1: <laughs> dude, I my, if you could see my computer screen right now, it's literally just PDF after PDF. Like I can scroll down. There's Necropolitics by Achille Mbembe. Like just mm. like James Baldwin, human organs yeah. are on there. Like <laughs> oh, not, not not like not like pictures, not like pictures, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. the transaction of yeah, human this, organs yeah, as man. being ethical or not, stuff like that. Mm. Um. But yeah, I can definitely get you. Yeah, I that.
0: would like the the links that were re- that were kind of relevant to this episode. I would I would
1: really like that because yeah. yeah, of course, of course, yeah. I have plenty. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it's it's fascinating because I I just don't think there's enough theoretical ground for it, mm-hmm. or I feel like it hasn't been built up enough mm. for it to be successful.
0: So do you think oh sorry
1: go ahead uh, I was just gonna say because uh the way that it works is with the destruction of democracy, which is like one of the main talking points of many mm-hmm. of like the right wing talk yeah. show posts, uh when in reality it was seen as a counterpart, I feel like, to more monarchy. Yeah. Cause uh or like like yeah, yeah, because like yeah. The, the what is it, the Romanovs or something? Yeah, I think to the um star nicholas or what, what, what was their family name something like that we're, we're gonna go with remote romano yeah feel feel free to Bizarre's. correct at any time yeah yeah um uh, like that was one of the main issues that was taken up yeah. with like um it was just like this counter action to this and like the treatment of people because it was also at the beginning of the industrial revolution i believe Mm -hmm. um and uh marx at the time was a reporter and he like just witnessed the punishments and cruel treatment that these workers faced and developed communism out of that which i don't i just don't think marx a has the time frame you can't like Marxism will not work in the modern day and age yeah. because so much has changed from the industrial revolution and the Mm pre-industrial revolution to now to where I feel like a modernized version needs to be ultimately developed for Mm -hmm. that to exist or to even cost working.
0: Yeah. So like instead of some dude or some woman reading the communist manifesto and saying, okay, and then starting a revolution, you think that we should instead look at what the communist manifesto has to offer and then based on the things that what that could actually work we could expand on that and maybe I create don't... something that that would be I guess better than what we currently have
1: so in the uh like in the Foucault thing that I it was just like a discussion between him and someone else I don't remember the specific contents but uh they talk about how there is a practice like there's a, a limit to practice and there's a limit to theory into where when one of them like comes to its max the other one has to fulfill the the rest of the gap so we have mm-hmm. to have the max of the theory and the max of a practice together so so they can actually work um mm-hmm. and i just don't feel like there's enough theoretical ground for it to actually even work in practice and Mm. i don't think practice can actually be achieved until we have the substantial theory that could work in place so like a renewal kind of yeah yeah (laughs) like an updated updated
0: version of the kind of of version yeah interesting Mm -hmm. um do you have maybe an idea of what the updated like version would have
1: (laughs) off the top of my head no but uh i feel like it would be it would be a democracy, surprisingly. Uh, but, how would that it work, would, though? but it wouldn't be a republic. Like mm. it would ultimately be like the delegation of governing to people elected by the officials with like some sort of term limit based upon whatever's decided. So like say like a like a one-term term limit, right? Mm-hmm. Or, like, a two-term term limit. Mm-hmm. Nothing, like, crazy where you could be a career politician mm-hmm. uh, to where, it, like, it stays updated with the times, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and to where the workers' needs are met, people's needs are met, stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And there's no, like, hierarchy outside of just the congressional level.
0: Okay. Okay, that makes more sense because I think at the first part I was interpreting what you were saying, like, you were envisioning a more Socratic point of view where only a few mm-hmm. people were wise but i guess if you were to make it purely democratic and not very hierarchical there wouldn't be exactly like a group of people that would be held mm-hmm. in a higher regard
1: so i guess not Socratic. yeah um the issue with that though is it's not gonna happen like <laughs> it just isn't like we're not at a place to where we can just be like hey we don't like this anymore we're gonna we're kicking you out, we're destroying the government, we're destroying everything like yeah uh and then rebuilding anew. Like I I just don't think that's a realistic philosophy. I don't think that's mm-hmm. a realistic answer to even theorize like I don't feel like it it ha- I feel like the theory has to be applicable to mm-hmm. some degree. Um
0: this will be like my I think my very last question because I think you probably would probably definitely have a valid opinion on this. Why do you think so many like young people for example, college students are so gravit like gravitated towards Marxism.
1: I feel like it's just the being upset at the way that they have to work three jobs to pay tuition. The the commodification of education, like like I'm getting prepared, like you're uh, we are getting prepared to pay thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to an education, uh, so that we can go out and make money, like. Mm-hmm it's absurd because we also have to take on absurd amounts of debt that Mm -hmm. we do we that we don't necessarily know is going to get paid off ever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and on top of that we're having to work excessive amounts of time like or like jobs like people are working like three jobs and still unable to like have housing they're unable to have any of these like types of like just things that we currently have because like we come from like a privileged place within society to where like our parents have money and like to where Mm -hmm. we can go out and do stuff but once that comes to an end we're essentially left to Mm -hmm. and exposed to how the world really operates and i think people are just getting pissed off at that and they're finally realizing this is not a good way for the world to work
0: Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. that's yeah I'd say that's a, actually a pretty valid reason why someone wouldn't like the idea of capitalism because they're not a beneficiary of it pretty much. Yeah, exactly. They're on, they're on the receiving end of all the flaws that it actually has. Mm-hmm. Like it's
1: uh, it stems from just like the disappearance of like wealth, essentially like because mm-hmm. um, ultimately the working class, right. They're the ones supposed to revolt. It's not, like, some like, super powerful leader that comes down from, from the government. It's like,
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: let, let's fight these people. It's right. more of just, like, the working class is like, hey, we don't like this anymore. We mm-hmm. want to be treated like people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's my take on that. Okay.
0: Well, that's all that I have to say for this episode. I mean, this is going to be a long one. but Yeah. It's going to be fun. But yeah, that's that's all me. What about you? Do you you have anything else?
1: Um, I don't really have anything else. But like, this was this was really fun. Like, this was fun. Yeah. Like, it, it was it was nice to talk just about literally whatever, and <laughs> like it was a really really like good way to use time. Like, I feel like it was yeah. very beneficial. Like,
0: like I learned a lot from you today. I can say that for sure.
1: Man, man, I learned about stoics <laughs> this nah, one. No, I learned about so much though. Like this was yeah. this was really fun. Like, thank you so much for having me. Like,
0: oh no, thank you for saying yes, man. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that that should conclude this episode of the Big Mike podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you made it this far, you are a, you are a real one. <laughs> Make sure to tell your friends, your family, anybody that you know about the podcast. Gets me some more listeners, keeps me going, keeps the episodes coming. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.